chapters, including me, continually when we look to the Word of God. And I'm bringing that to you guys this morning, not what I think. Um, as I said, it matters more what God says, what He's doing. And I think the, the often we, well, as leaders, as a leader, <coughs> you share the Word of God more like a lens than you do a mirror, but it's a mirror first. In other words, when you read it, you look, God wants you to see what He's saying and you adjust first before you expect others to live by. It's a mirror before it's a lens. And so I, I'm hoping you're hearing that, that there's no expert. I'm not an expert in this. I don't come as an expert. If you've come to hear an expert, you've come to the wrong place. And, and because we're all learning our way, there's a journey. There's the Word of God is truth. We're pursuing what the Word of God says. Which will challenge us at every level. How many of you are challenged? If you read the Bible, you're challenged. I think that's why a lot of people don't like to read the Bible. Or they can, you can read it as a book, and then it doesn't challenge you. But if you're reading it as the Word of God, well then it's going to challenge us. And it's not to challenge us, it's to give us freedom and to live in the freedom of who God's called us to be. So, um, I'm not here to preach my favorite message either. I have had the privilege of leading... And planting churches, and we continue to plant churches personally as well as within the NCMI, which is the, the team that we're privileged to lead. We've been leading this team, Nicole and I, my wife's not here, uh, but we've been leading this team for 13 years. And uh, But NCMI's been going for 30 something years, 38 years or something like that. And it's not a movement that we are basing everything around, it's a team of translocal gifts, which we see in Scripture. Ephesians 4, Jesus, it was He. Paul writes and he says, it was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, and so these gifts were given to the church by Christ for the church. And then it goes on and says, these gifts were given to equip the saints. In other words, to get the church to be active in the ministry, not for the gifts to be the ministry. Which I think, again, we all grow up, and I love this culture. When I talk about America, I love this nation, but there's a... There's a celebrity-driven culture that's rampant in the church. Where if you're an apostle, you're the hero, which according to scripture, you're not. <laughs> Jesus is not come back for apostles, come back for the church. He purchased the church with his blood, but those gifts are necessary for the church to function. So it's not an optional extra for deluxe churches. It's for all of us to understand these gifts come in to equip us so that we can be more effective in ministry... And that the church can have a greater impact, but ultimately that we all grow up. And no one likes to grow up, let's be honest. Mm. I'm, you know, no one likes to be told to grow up. Yeah. <laughs> My sons, I keep saying, grow up, boys. <laughs> and when you go to God, come in and tells the church to grow up. But that is God's desire for us. Yes. We need to understand. He, I, I feel like, and I'm not, I came to speak on material, but I want to speak on something else rather. Just because I think this culture, this, this group here is in a sense the... The core group of this local church at this stage. And so you carry culture and what you're bringing in. It's not just these guys. It's us, you guys. Um, determines what the people are catching, what they're going to live in. You're creating culture all the time. So, so, But just want to say that God's ultimate desire is for all of us to grow up. That's the bottom line. That's the goal. If God had a goal for us, it's not just to get us to heaven. Because then when we got saved, we should have gone straight there. <laughs> And to be honest, we would have wished that had happened with a lot of Christians because we misrepresenting Him here. But it's actually to get us to grow up and become more like Jesus. And so, you know, I feel like I keep quoting this thing. There's like a Peter Pan syndrome today. You know, everyone wants to be young. You know the story of Peter Pan? He's young, always didn't get old. 
Um, and I think that's in our culture, but it's also unfortunately in the church. And uh, there's this obsession with young and youthful, and we don't want to grow up, and we want. But I keep saying, if you know the story of Peter Pan, then Wendy, God will never play Wendy in our desire to be Peter Pan. In other words, He won't allow us to stay immature. He wants us to grow up. And these gifts have given Ephesians 4 to equip the saints for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up and all. But it goes on to say that ultimately that we may grow up in Him, uh, become mature in Him. So that is God's desire. So, you know, this kind of could be said, or it's a leadership thing, but I'm not sure I want leadership. Let me just say, leadership in the kingdom is not a position. Leadership in the kingdom is actually influence. Which every one of us are influencing, whether you hold an official position in the church or not. We're all called to influence people around us. And we are, good or bad, we're influencing. But as believers, God put us here to influence the cultures around us. So I know that many of us, probably growing up, if we have any history or understanding in the church, I confess too, as a leader, it's always been control, control. The more you have leadership, the more they're in control. But that's not kingdom. Kingdom is the more leaders are influencing and opening their hands and pointing people to someone called Jesus, not to themselves, and saying, you exist for me. So, so again, some of those, maybe the reluctance here, so we're not sure we like leadership. doesn't matter whether we like it, we need it. And God won't. And again, if we go up to Scripture, I've also experienced bad stuff in the church. I, mean, I grew up in the church. All I know is the church. But I've seen a lot of bad stuff, and I've, been, I've had the spiritual abuse and all the stuff that comes with leadership. But if I'm in believing in Scripture, and I believe God's Word doesn't change, then as I look through Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, the whole Bible, is about leadership too. Because God does not much except through leadership. And unfortunately, impure problem people he picks. Because <laughs> we're on this journey to become mature. But we're not all there. And if you're there, then you're going to be ready for Christ to return. So we're on this journey, right? And so my point in all of this is we need leadership. It's clearly in Scripture. You guys carry culture as it is. You're really influencing people. Some carry more official roles in the church, but all of you carry authority and carry influence. And the fact is you're influencing people one way or the other. And so for us, I'm convinced that we keep saying culture. Culture's always being developed, whether you're developing it or not. And I think that's where we've all find ourselves. So I'm hoping we'll just open our hearts to just be challenged by the word and say, yeah, I don't have to agree with this man, but I have to agree with scripture. And... Uh, and I'm just going to just bring some basics to church planning because I can come talk to you about nations, which I would like to do, but I think right now you, this church needs to be establishing the culture within the local church of who we are, and mission is vital and strategic. So that's what we're getting. Is that okay? And yes. If you, I know that, that, that um, Hugh was saying at the end, ask questions. But I am happy just if you, because it's a smaller group, if you just want to, not short, because <coughs> we might not get to the question, just, just throw it out there if you're okay. I'm not trying to take over, yes. but I'd hate me just to sit down and lecture you for two hours. Well, I'd love it, but you wouldn't. <laughs> but, but I do want to make sure this is nuts and bolts, and this is like, and I don't have all the answers. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says, and then we have to work it out how it works. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving you answers, not solutions. How's that? So if you've got a Bible, let's start there. That'll be helpful, yeah? Let's go to, uh, if you have a Bible, Isaiah chapter 41, please. Isaiah 41. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of church planting, okay? And I'll tell you why, because it's biblical. 
I've had the privilege of growing up in a household where my dad was, in a sense, obsessed with the kingdom, obsessed with Jesus, and we planted churches. Hence, why I traveled the world and lived in many countries is because my dad believed in this great commission. But not enough for my dad to believe it. It's in the Bible. And so... Again, guys, what you guys are doing here, it might be small in number right now, and you might be like, gee, this thing should be bigger and better, and all the stuff that we hope for. I just want you to know this is not a good idea. If this is a good idea, you should all quit right now and go find somewhere else to be in a church. Honestly, this is not a good idea. Can I also say, and I'm not here to puff these guys up, but I'm just here to tell you that this is not their idea. And if it was, you should run quickly. This is not your idea. Like, gee, I'm not happy in the church I was in, so I want to come join this church because it's smaller. And it's... No, no, this is a God thing. Yes, amen. And if it's not, guys, then you shouldn't give your life to something that has no eternal bearing. Good. All right, so you're not serving their vision. If you're serving their vision, stop. Because their vision will die. God is not about a man. God's about His deal. All right, so, so I, I'm in a, I'm just... The amount of people say, we, we want to lay down our vision to serve your vision. No, don't serve my vision because we've laid down our vision to serve his vision. Amen. So if you're connecting with this group, these guys, then you're not laying down your vision for theirs. You lay down your vision as they've laid down their vision to serve his vision, which then means you can't be mad at leadership anymore. If you're doing it for them, you should be mad at them. I'm here Saturday morning because they want me here. Well, no, then, then every time you get together, you're going to be mad. I mean, I'm sure you've got better things to do, but this is not for them. This is for God and the purposes of God and to lay down as alongside them. And ultimately, it's to reach people that have yet to be reached. So it's actually for them. So if you want to be mad, be mad there. Not here. But don't be mad at anything because... This is, what does it say? Yeah, hate everywhere you go, yeah. yeah we're not a hater. We don't hate us. Hate is no home. Yeah. See, that's yeah. big Chicago. Anyway. And so, so if you get any revelation this morning, be reminded this is a God thing, which is not a perfect thing because it's made up of imperfect people who, in a sense, haven't done this but are trying in God to find their way to be truth and free to be who God's called you to be. The biggest pressure you guys have as a local church is this, to try and be another local church that seems to be successful. The biggest challenge for leadership is to not copy the success of the church world at the expense of what God's called you to do. Now, I'm not saying look at around and say they're bad because their churches seem to be happening. I'm just saying you guys have to be authentic to who God's called you to be. And some of you have come from big church, small church, no church, and you want this church to be what you left. No, no, this is a church God's doing. Well, you might have some of what you've left, but this is a new thing God's doing. And I mean, just to say, my two boys in this room, the the biggest insult for me as a dad is when my sons are trying to be like someone else. I want my sons to be authentic to who they are. And I'm glad that they got heroes of the faith, but I don't want them to be someone else. They want, as a father... I want them to be there. Now think about our Heavenly Father. He doesn't want you to be someone else, all to be like you or Vanessa, but He also doesn't want this church to be like every other church. He wants, so you've got to work out what is general in the Word of God, is general for all of you, and what is specific for this local church, and contend for those things. Otherwise, I believe you're becoming fake. And we've heard a lot about fake news, haven't we? But there's fake churches. <laughs> there's a fake churches everywhere because they're trying to be someone they're not. 
your pressure is to have all the ministries that every other church has so you can reach. No, no. You, you're not that church. You don't need a men's and women's ministry youth yet. And when you do, it's who the people and who you're trying to reach. Not because if we don't have it, people might go to another church. Well, then let them go. You've got to be free to be in this church who God's called you to be. And you guys in this room have to bring who God's called you to be to the table to reach all the people God's called you to be. Is that making sense? So, so, so it's not, ah, oh, I can be free to be me. No, no, free to be who God wants you to be, not who you are, right? Okay, that's a... So I'm a huge believer in church planting. And why am I there? Because I believe it's in the Bible. Now, the Great Commission, I hope you all believe in the Great Commission. That is what Jesus left us. All authority, Matthew 28, in heaven and earth, Jesus has been given to me. Now go make disciples. I've been given all authority, and now I'm giving you a mandate to go make disciples. And that word, disciple, is followers of Jesus. It's not some concept of mini-me's, wannabe's, me's, or whatever. It's followers of Jesus. So, ultimately in this room, your role, ultimately as a local church, is followers of Jesus, so you've got to be followers of Jesus to make followers of Jesus. So it's this thing of, you've got to continue to be, you can't say you are making followers of Jesus if you're not following Jesus. Right? Yes. And to just state the obvious, do you want to prove you're a follower of Jesus? Don't put on Instagram and Twitter and... You want to authenticate your follow of Jesus? Are you ready? This is profound. Follow Jesus. That's your greatest authentication of I'm a follower of Jesus. What? I'm following. Now that's a different thing because Christianity in our nation right now is what most people are converting to. But Jesus didn't leave us Christianity. He left us the Great Commission to follow me. Now think about this. Christianity is converting to you, changing religions... No religion to trying your religion. Well, I was Buddhist, now I'm a Christian. I'll try your religion. Jesus didn't say religion to change your teaching. He said, follow me. So it's actually changing masters, not changing religion. Which, if we don't start there, guys, you're not following Jesus, right? So for me, I think, I think we find ourselves as the local church now being birthed here in the U.S., we got to contend for following Christ, not converting to a teacher. Christianity has become like a system. So people follow rules and systems and rituals. Jesus said, follow me. It's a following a person. It's very different. It's got life to follow someone rather than something. But in it, it's difficult because if you're following something, you can pick and choose. But if you're following someone, it's all in. (laughs) And that's why I think we... We have to be on this journey of followers of Jesus, making followers of Jesus. So this great commission is a command from God. Mm. Jesus left us this mission. So that's what this (coughs) church is birthed in, this great commission. But to be honest, the world evangelization is a fantasy if we're not planting churches. So the way this great commission is worked out is through church planting. All right. So this is God's plan. See it through Scripture, right through the Book of Acts. They went into a region and they won people for Jesus. They, were, but they didn't leave them, right? They didn't birth them and then leave them. It's like using the illustration of birthing a child. No mother, forgive me, worth their salt would birth a baby and leave it on the side of the road. If they couldn't take care of it, they would make sure that it's taken care of. But they wouldn't just birth a baby and walk away. But that's what happens in the church. We're birthing all these. 
salvations, but no one's there to actually bring them through. That's what it means a follower of Jesus. It's not a decision. It's now involving them and in training them and equipping them and strengthening like a mother would with a child until they grow up and then release them. And that's the same. It's the, it's the kingdom, not addition, it's multiplication. All right, so I mean, are you, am I making sense? Yes. So your, this church was birthed with a great commission, a plan from God, and I don't believe we can win any city anywhere without planting churches. Not one church for a city, all churches, congregations. And, and so you guys have been birthed, I believe, in the purpose and the plan of God. And uh, it's not a good idea. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to go the way you want it, but it's a God thing. So keep it a God thing. Amen. Rather make it your thing and get in the way of what God's trying to do. So it's great that you're here. So there's some reasons to be part of a plant. I'm not convincing because you already are. But if you want to see Jesus, do something new. Mm. And you're sick of the status quo. It's a good reason to be a part of a church plant. If you dream of being part of something bigger than you. (laughs) You want revelation? This will always be bigger than you if it's God's. And it is God's. So you're going to always feel like overwhelmed. Welcome to church planning because it's not your thing. It's God's. And God never does something you can do. He's doing something He can do. So just financially, let me just throw this out. You're going to always feel financial significant pressure when you're doing what God's called you to do. Because it's not, can I afford it? It did God say it. That's not cliche Americanism preaching. That's fact. Either you can do what you can do, or you can do what God can do. But you can't do what, what God can do through what you do. Is that, is that? That's good. This church can't afford to plant a church. You guys in this room can't afford. I know he's got a job, and praise God for his job. And that, but God is your source. And he's going to ask stuff of this church that you can't afford. And if you're living by your budget, if you have a budget, that's great. But your budget should not predict what you're doing in the will of God. If it's a budget, we shouldn't be here this weekend. The three of us, by the way. But we, heard, we trust God and God provides. And again, it's not can we take up our offering. We come with no expectation. But we're not living by our budgets. We're living by what God's called us. Mm. Is yes. it, is, it's the same for you guys. And your locals, so your own lives. I'm sure you all live in budget and things are tough right now. Gee, your taxes are high, so it's tough here. <laughs> but if you are only making decisions for the kingdom based on what's in your bank account. You're living by your bank account, not what God's called you to. And that's the culture you're developing in this church. Can we afford it? No, no. Did God say it? Facilities, buildings, people, all those things. It's going to be way bigger than you'll ever be. So live in the bigness, but it's not have we got it. Did God say it? And if He said it, guys, you've got to go big and trust Him. But if He didn't, then don't do it. That's where other churches are doing it. It seems like God, not enough. One word from God can turn Chicago literally upside down. No word from God and all your effort and flesh and money is not going to have any impact. No more than the government. So it's this ability to hear God, asking God, one word, what is it you've spoken? And not just through them, through you guys in your involvement in this local church and what He wants to do. All right. Um, Another reason is you want to give your time, money, energy, and talents to starting something new. And you want to make sacrifices to see a mission fulfilled. That's another reason. See that it's not, I want to attend a new church. No, no. (laughs) I'm going to be used of God in this church to birth something and to live in something that's way beyond who I am. Mm -hmm. 
which is great, I think. If you want to have your faith to grow, and you want to go, God, to fundamentally meddle with your life and change you in every way. That's why you're part of a church. Well, fundamentally meddle and change. How many of you have experienced even that in the last few months? I mean, it's welcome to church planning. It's great. If you want to love your city more, be part of a church plant. God gives you a heart for a place He's called you to. It's a different heart to what I want here. I have a heart for my city. No, no, I need your heart for this city. Which does help us. I don't think there's a better way to love your city than to be involved in a church plant. And realize, this is not a cliche. Listen, I believe God doesn't give cities to churches. I believe God gives churches to cities. Which, honestly, guys, if you think about it, any of you had a history in local church before, you would think that most of us are taught this city exists for me and us and the purpose of God for us. But actually, biblically, it's the opposite. God loved Chicago so much that He's put all these local churches here and now putting restoration into this region because He loves this region and He wants to reach this region through this people. So no longer do they exist for us, we now exist for them. Yeah. Which is a different way of church, right? Church yeah. is me, me, what's in it for me? How about me, me? Mm-hmm. Suddenly God says, no, I'm putting you here to be a lampstand for them. Yes. To reach them. Time, talents, energy. That's good. <laughs> You're going to love them more than they're going to love you. You're not going to be welcomed into the city and welcome. Another church, we're so yes. happy. Even though you're here for them, they don't welcome. But you understand you're here for the purpose and plan of God. You're living for a different way. I'm existing for them rather than they for us. Yeah. Also, a good time to be a part of a local church. And church plan, if you want to see God move in ways you never imagined He could or would, and you want an adventure, this is an adventure with all discomfort and risk. It's all in. If you, another point is if you want to get into a fight or enter a battle yes. for the kingdom of God. That's right. And again, guys, I, I say this carefully. I'm not like there's a devil around every corner. I'm not one of those people. But this is a huge battle you're entering in. Don't be surprised. Because you're not here to hang around and have devotions together. You've actually been put here to take ground that belongs to God, but is occupied by the devil. Yes. That's church planting. We're not, we don't have another church. No, we want to go where others haven't gone and do stuff God, God, others aren't doing. The devil's got his little tail up going, well, hang on, this is... So you can't live in fear of this, but be aware. You have entered a battle by saying, I'm part of this local church. Don't be surprised by the reaction or the stuff. Don't be fearful, but don't be surprised. The yeah. devil's not rejoicing in this. Very good. Right? <laughs> so you have now entered into a battle. Stay the course. This, what else do you want to live for? Something. And, and while the battle belongs to the Lord, we're in a fight. We know he's won it. But don't forget, there is a fight taking place. And you've now entered in for the kingdom. Bigger than a church, the kingdom of God. And these kingdoms are advanced. Just be aware. I've heard a lot of preachers preach that there's two. There's kingdom of the light and kingdom of dark. And choose which one you want to kind of be in. And they kind of host side by side. Well, that's insane to think they are side by side. They don't connect. They are head to head. Light and darkness is not living coexisting. Yeah. There's light and there's dark, and they are at full battle together. So once you've walked in the light, you're now in this battle against darkness. Not fear, just know they're not friends. You can't be friends with the world. Friends with the people, but not the world. You can't play with the world and be in the light. They're not this game, one in, one out. And again, I hope you're hearing that, because guys, 
We need all in. If I have a title for today, all in. <laughs> I'm not a poker player, but if I was, I'm not. I, I'm bored with poker. I'm not kidding. At the beginning, I'm all in. People are like, well, hey, what kind of cards? I don't know. I'm just drinking. I'm all in. In, in all or nothing. I can't be half in. And that's what you guys in the church plan. All in. Not for them, for the king and his kingdom. All in. Not half in, thinking about it, praying about it. I'm all in. All I have and am, I'm in. Because this thing has to succeed. Not because they have. They're going to, you know, the, the majority of church planters plant with a view for the next person. They're not going to be a forever, and maybe not you. So it's not for them or even their kids. They're going to probably go one day, as many of you will. And you might not even see the breakthroughs that were promised, but you're laying in now what God promised so the next generation or the next whatever can walk in this. We planted seven years ago in Denver. And we handed over the church recently. And the guy who's taken over, honestly, is walking in the absolute blessing of what God spoke over us. But he spoke it over the church, not us specifically, over the church. And we laid the foundation and we invested and we... And now they're just walking into the blessing. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, if, if that thing failed when I left, I would have failed the kingdom of God. What a waste of relocating from Australia, leaving all my family, bringing these kids from all that we had there to a place where we knew no one to start something and gave our lives and blood, sweat and tears and money. Everything we had, we gave. And then when I handed it over to walk away and see it all fall apart, what's the point of it? Yeah. 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 So it's not we're doing this for them or even for you. We're doing this for the king and the kingdom to have an impact here, but also for others who have yet to come to live in the benefits. So there's no shortcuts. Yeah. You can't die. You're laying a deep foundation. Mm. You're pioneering. Not them, you guys. Mm. Church planning is pioneering. It's not a gathering. It's a pioneering people. And you've got to go down before you go up, right? Yeah. Most people don't get excited about foundations. Let's be honest. How many of you like to go and see this building that's supposed to be going up? And you get there and there's nothing. And they go, well, no, we've had to go down. And you're like, she's down. It's like concrete all over the floor. When are we going to see a building? No one's excited. But the builders will tell you, without that, you've got nothing. So there's some exciting things you'll see, but there's other things you won't. But you've got to know God's at work, guys, in your lives and through your lives, laying deep foundation. The deeper it goes, the longer this will stand. Okay. Make it count, right? So, anyway. Uh, so this thing of battle, you're going to get into a fight to enter a battle. And then lastly, if you want to, you're not afraid to bank your life on Matthew, 8, Matthew 16, verse 18. This is a reason to plant a church. Mm. You want to, you're not afraid to bank your life on Matthew 16, 18, where Jesus said, I will build my church. You're backing this thing. You're banking your life that Jesus said he would build his church. And that is one of the most profound texts, Matthew chapter 16, uh, based on the revelation of Christ. I mean, if anything matters most, it's your revelation of Jesus. And that's where Jesus asked the question, Matthew 16, who do people say that I, what are the people saying about me? And he said, some say John the Baptist or Elijah or Elisha, one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, okay, that's what they're saying. What about you? And Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, one of his disciples, maybe the church, asking us, well, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, you are blessed. Not based on the car you drive or the house you have or the job you have, actually based on the revelation of who I am, you're blessed. Because you know who I am, you're blessed. And then Jesus said, for the first time ever did he mention the church. Never mentioned the church before that. 
And now he said, I felt, I believe what he was saying is, now that you know who I am, let me tell you who you are. Because your, your identity is wrapped up in my identity. If you know who I am, now I'll tell you who you are. You do the, I'm Jesus, right. I'm the Messiah. And you are Peter, little rock. And that's not, we've developed a whole religion around that revelation. Jesus wasn't saying you are the rock I'm building on. He was saying that based on the revelation, that revelation, Peter, I'm building my church on the revelation you have of me. In other words, I'm the foundation, not Peter, little rock, Peter, all this nonsense out there. Forgive me. Yeah, it's good. It's actually missing the point of what Jesus wasn't saying, you're my rock. He said, your revelation of me is the foundation for the church. And then he said, and on this rock, I'll build my church. And then he begins to talk about a church that is not a hanging in, hoping that he'll come back. It's this front-footed, pounding the gates of hell, storming the gates, taking ground. But it's that's why you want to be part of a church point, is you're banking your life on Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus is not building anything else but his church, which is radical. Hmm. This is what he's building. Hmm. And it's the only thing he's coming back for. Hmm. Not the people, the church, which we're hoping people will be saved in. It's the only thing he purchased with his blood is the people, the church. He loves the church. And the church is not plan B. Just you got to hear this again, guys. Who yeah. says a church plan? Yeah. You know, plan A was God had this Israel. I mean, if I'm just maybe stepping on toes. Yeah, I'm just, you know, Israel was it. And because Israel didn't fulfill what God wanted, he had to find plan B. So he thought, gee, I need another plan. Here it is. Let me find the church. Israel didn't work. I'll try the church. Well, let me just say, if Israel didn't work and there was plan A, then who's to say plan B will work? And I can't give my life to something that might not work. If you think this is plan B, you're already going to fail this church plan. Because right. plan A didn't work, well then plan B won't work. This is still plan A. God never decided, oh gee, it didn't work there, let me try this. God has only one plan. He's always wanted His church. It's always been His purpose. Right through Scripture, the function, Paul writes in Ephesians 3.10, that it was a, this, this revelation that God's intent was now through the church, yes. the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. Uh, principalities passed through authority all through the church uh, it's plan A it will never be plan B so know that okay you're not a mistake you're not second best can you imagine being second best mm. I mean some of us maybe feel like that but not in the plan of God you can't you're not this church isn't because of a failure of another church Amen. this is the plan of God and you're going to go through stuff and it might look like success and failure but the plan of God you're going to fulfill it um, but you're not plan B, all right? And even sitting in this room, if God's called you here, which I believe He has, Amen. then you're not plan B. Like, you don't have an option to be on. You do, yes, but you don't. Yes, you can choose not to, but you were birthed for this. Right. You can choose to disobey, and that's not accusation, that's fact. You can live your own thing and visit here, or you can be involved here and say, I want this life here to count, to serve. There's nothing more. Pleasing to the Father than to do the thing you're created for. So it's going to help you with all your issues because you look here, cultures, clashes right here. Just in this room. Let alone who else is going to add. There's already clashes. Well, yeah. It's fact. I mean, you're clashing with my accent right now and you hate what I'm saying. That's a clash. <laughs> but the point is, you're going to have this and you, God put you together and there's clashes coming. But if it's for... What about me? You're done. If it's what about the kingdom, we work it out. Amen. 
Is that okay? Amen. So let's just read what I asked you, please, hours ago to look at. Okay. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 41. Okay. This for me is one of the most strategic verses or scriptures mm-hmm. when it comes to church planting and understanding. <clears throat> now, Isaiah 41, just for time, let's go to verse 17. It says, The poor and the needy search for water, but there is none. I mean, that's a profound truth right there. We could stop and say, see, they're hungry, they're thirsty. God's saying there's nothing for them. But look what he says. He doesn't say, go do something about it. He goes, their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. Don't you love? God's saying they're thirsty, they're hungry. There's nothing for them, but I'm not forsaking them. I'm going to respond. Verse 18, I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys. And I'll turn the desert into pools of water and the parched grounds into springs. Again, it's the God factor that we need to not lose. There's our response, but don't forget God's the factor, the divine nature of what he says. So he's saying, listen, people are thirsty, people are looking. I will respond and give them what they want. And in actual fact, he's now saying, where there is a desert... I'm going to create rivers and water. I mean, that's impossible. Have you ever been to the desert? I don't think you understand desert quite so much here in Chicago, but desert doesn't have water. (laughs) That's why it's desert. God's saying, where there's nothing, I'm creating stuff. Now, you've got to see that here, even in this gathering, that this is a divine work of God. It's not some clever strategy you've come up with and read in a book. This is God birthing stuff because people are searching and hungry and thirsty and looking. God's saying, I'm going to put stuff here together. I'm going to do the impossible. So please live with this miracle in hand. It's not a concept. It's not an organization. Can I say the organized church falling apart? God's not in the organized church. I'm not saying we need this organ to be unorganized, but organic life and all that, absolutely. But this organized religion is not from God. There's no life in organized, what I can organize and make happen. Mm -hmm. So God's saying, I'm responding, I'm doing this thing of rivers of living water and all that, pools of desert into pools of water and parched grounds into springs. So don't forget. Then he goes just quickly to verse 19. He says, I'll put in the desert the cedar... The acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I'll set junipers in the waste and the fir and the cypress together. Again, can I stop and say, I don't understand all this. Okay, forgive me, I probably should. But you green thumbs, if you're a green thumb, any of you into plants, trees, and shrubs? Well, let me just say this. I don't have to be one of them to know this. All these trees, shrubs, and bushes, they don't all belong in the desert. And they don't all belong together. Okay, so let that break in amongst us. What does that mean? Well, God's saying, I'm going to take stuff that doesn't belong together, naturally. And I'm going to throw it together, supernatural. Now, I'm convinced, and I mean, guys, please hear me. I travel the world, literally the world, and I minister in all the churches. I mean, hundreds of thousands of churches all over the world. I want to tell you one of the biggest challenges I think the church is facing globally is we've lost the divine nature of the church. And when we lose that, we become, we, we, get, we see the issues with each other. We start hindering the progress of the gospel because of our issues with one another. Now, now I'm saying this, look around, even this handful of people in this room, this is not natural. You don't belong together in the natural. 
You don't. I mean, if it was not for the purpose of God, you probably wouldn't be hanging out together. <coughs> yeah, okay, elephants walked out the room. We've acknowledged that. When I look at the team I'm leading, it's five, 600 guys on my team right now. I want to tell you, I say this conservatively, 95% of those people I would not naturally gravitate to even for a coffee. <laughs> and it's good to acknowledge that. Don't you think they play this game? Right? But by the purpose of God, how dare... I start looking at all the issues I have with people when God put us together. It's divine. And it goes on and says, so that people, verse 20, people may see, know, and consider and understand. What? Mm. Not that huge strategy pulls you together. The hand of the Lord has done this. The display of God's splendor. So can I say to you guys, Restoration Church, is is it church or just Restoration Chicago or whatever? Restoration. Restoration. (laughs) I need to get it right. Is is actually done for the display of God's plan. It's by the divine nature of God. You are, while you are natural, He puts you together supernatural. And when you lose that, so listen, these shrubs, trees, and bushes. Can I tell you about them? Some of them are thorn bushes. Now, who's the thorn bushes in this room? We could probably pick and tell you who you are. Right? <laughs> well, you're not part of this, but yeah, you do. No, but seriously, so, so thorn bushes, what is the point of a thorn bush? They are irritating. They get in your face. They're always a thing. But God's saying, I'm putting thorn bushes with cedar and acacia, these sweet-smelling bushes and myrtle. Whatever you think you are, that's great. But you need to be part of this thing and be who God's called you to be and not be irritated by each other because you're not the same. Good, God made you different Good. for the display Amen. of His Amen. And guys, I'm really just telling you that there is a devil strategy to undermine what God wants to do through this church. He wants this church to die. Sooner or than later. The sooner He can kill you, the better. And this is how He wants to do it, through relationship. He wants to, and you know who He wants to use? You. I'm not... He doesn't want to send some weird person in to mess it up. He wants to mess up your relationships here. And he will take, he'll use you to do that if you're willing to play the game and allow irritations and issues. And it doesn't mean you don't have them. It means you sort them out. Don't just leave up and leave. Well, then why did God put you under up and leave? Now, if these guys are doing stuff that's unbiblical, you need to challenge them and say, Gus, tell me in the Bible, because that's our manual here, not... But not, I don't like you. Well, nor do I at times, I'm sure. I'm sure Vanessa does. I mean, she can't leave. She loves me at all times. <laughs> well, okay, let's go. I mean, I don't like Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no but the point I'm making, well, I don't like him, or I can't get along with him, so I'm going to go find a church where I can get along. If God lets you here, friend, until God says go, and I mean, we can always say God says go, but no, no, did he say go? Because ultimately, guys, we are hindering the progress of the gospel. I can't imagine it. I mean, can you imagine? It's one thing to not serve God's plan, but to be in the way of His plan. That would be even more offensive. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when Paul wrote the letters to the early churches and that, I mean, we think he, you know what they did? They were sitting in a room like this, a whole bunch of people, and say, oh, we got a letter from Paul. Everyone take a seat. And then he gets up and they start reading it. Blessings and greetings in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God for you. I pray for you. And then, by the way, he's like, Gavin, stop being a jerk. You mess it. <laughs> That's what he did. He didn't say, oh, gee, hang on. Let me, everyone just take a breather, have a Starbucks. Hey, G- Gavin, Paul's saying, stop being a jerk, right? You're messing around. You're hindering the progress of the gospel. Okay, we good. Okay, everybody take a seat. Let's get. They just read the letter, and in this public forum, they were getting rebuked. 
I mean, that's not PC, is it? That's not even BC. That's not even Christ- church kosher. But the point is, is he's, he's addressing an issue that's beyond a little irritation. You are hindering the progress of the gospel. Stop it. Sort it out. Get your stuff sorted out. Stop trying to be first in everything. Stop trying to and get your relationships and him have nothing to do with him. Why? Because he's causing. This yeah. is a, this is this is an urgency about this stuff. Very yes. Good. Yes. Good. Yes. We're going to honor each other's feelings, but we're all going to get hurt. Yeah. Good. If you haven't been hurt, you're probably going to get hurt today. Not because I want to hurt you, because I'm offending you. But the word of God is offensive. Good. Yeah. Jesus is the rock of offense. Good. We think well, the more we preach Christ, the more people come running. No, no. He offends. He is the rock. The ultimate offender is Good. Jesus. Yes. We can play the church game and draw people. When you pray, preach king and kingdom, people, f- religious people freak. Yeah. Too much Jesus. Let's go find a church that's more about organization. Why? Because you can't handle reality of who Christ is. Good. Very good. Oh, God. Yeah. Sinners come running to Jesus. Yes. Pharisees went running from Jesus. Yeah. Now I'm not saying, oh, be offensive and just say it's because of Jesus. Let Jesus be the rock of offense, but love people. But we're going to be offended. You already are. Cultural push. I ministered recently in, in uh, she's we're not getting to anything, but anyway, I'm sorry. It's a story of my life. We, I recently was in the Middle East ministering and, and uh, in a place called uh, Abu Dhabi, which is one of the United Arabic Emirates. We haven't equipped, I'll just highlight. We're going to st- have one in January next year. You should all be there, please. Anyway, okay. <laughs> just established that this morning. You guys need to come. It's an amazing place. And it's not as bad as America makes it out to be. <laughs> the Middle East is actually very open to the gospel. And they love Americans. Even under Trump, they still like us, just so you know. So. But um, so I ministered there. And uh, this church, probably five years ago, I went to this church. There were a couple of hundred people. I went back about five years later. So over eight, 900 adults, eight, 900 adults, which is awesome. Numbers are not the thing. But what excited me is there's 45 nations represented in that church. Wow. But not nations that have grown up in it, that have come from other nations. Wow. So can you imagine the cultural clashes in that church? I mean, I'm serious. You know, 45 nations in one church. Wow. Different language. There it is. There it goes. <laughs> you can take it for your head. Just realize. <laughs> it's not that loud. I don't mind that noise. It's going to be sitting by, bro. It's, it's going to go by. Well, it's not this house burning, right? <laughs> um, it's burning. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's burning hot. But he, um, he, uh, so 45 nations. I mean, that's incredible. So, so I sat with the leadership team and they said, so what do you see? I said, I see you got some issues. I said, what do you see? I said, well, you better know what the Bible says because you've got every clash culturally here. And you better have one standard because you've got too many influencing your culture here. What does the Bible say? You better know what it says because yeah. that's going to have to, every culture's got to bow to the, the mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to be more this, more that, more. No, no, you've got to be this. Yeah. And I said, the second thing that excites me is you've got 45 nations represented in your church, which means we've got 45 nations to get into. Good. Wow. And they all have to, we never thought of that. Oh, that's good. You are elders. You know, just this. Anyway, so that's another story. But, <laughs> but let me tell you, God put them all together for the display of His plan. They had every reason yeah. to be offended. Not enough of this, or not enough curry for the Indians. And I love curry. Not enough, <laughs> you know, for the Arabs, and not enough for the Sri Lankans, and not enough for the English tea. You know, the whole tea thing. And Australians, we need the barbecue. I mean, just throw them together for the plan of God. 
So you guys have some of that already, and God wants to mess it up a bit more by bringing every. I mean, Chicago is pretty culturally mixed up. (laughs) That's what you should be representing, not one of this culture, that all culture. And the cultures come clashes, and people get offended. I don't like your culture, and too much of that. Not enough of this song, and not enough of Israel Houghton for this guy, and not enough of that Redmond for that. You know, we could. All I'm saying to you is listen. You're here for the purpose and the glory of God, and you're going to offend cultures at times. Your culture's probably hurt you, not recognized enough, and you're not on it. And this thing is to grow. So if you're not looking for growth, go to another church. Sorry, I know it's not a good way to start, but this has to grow. If you, I want to be a part of a small church, well, then this church is going to be a season for you. But you're going to hinder the growth because you have a small church mentality. This is not about size, but God wants anything God's in grows. And it's not so you can have growth, it's so you can have greater impact. So the relationships will change as God increases. But don't get offended and get up the miff tree and leave. (laughs) Whatever that is, I don't know. Is that okay? Can can I pause there? Just any 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 question, because I mean we're getting nowhere. But anything about anything I've said, please feel free to speak. I I don't claim to be an expert. Is there anything? That's good. Maybe like 10 minutes? Yeah. Break in 10? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Is that it? I mean, I know you haven't got too much to say yet. No, no, I'm happy. I think I've said enough anyway. But is there anything? About anything? Very good. Very good. Anything? Otherwise, I can keep going. You don't want me to keep going. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> is there anything? Can I carry on then? Yeah, curious. Yeah. You want to ask me something? About that? <laughs> it's good. That stuff's really good. It's very good. Yeah. 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 Thanks. So, so, so here's the thing. I'm asking you, and not because I, I don't. I'm not in this church. So I have to ask this in the church that I'm involved in. But you see, everything has context. Everything. And while there is an organic nature to the life of the local church, we need boundaries and banks. The river can't flow without banks. Some people are all river. Give me the river. That's great. But you need banks for the river. Because a river, a banks, a river without banks is a marsh or a what do you get marsh? Yeah. There's no flow if it doesn't have banks. Would you agree? Yes. So uh, give me the river stuff and I'm all organic and we fly by the seat of our pants because we Holy Spirit. That's awesome. But you need some river, some banks. Mm-hmm. Bank people, you need some river. Otherwise you're just a big hole. <laughs> I'm like, we the banks. No, no, banks without a river, river are like a hole, big hole in the ground. There's nothing. So we need river and banks. So while we want to be organic, there's some biblical stuff, guys, that is, that is necessary for the local church to thrive, to be a success. We can be one all this and have a heart for this and pray this, but if we're not being it, we're not going to be it. And so maybe this is where it gets a little testy for us. Now there's some demands from God on our behalf that will make this church a success. God factor, our factor. And it's understanding your context of how he, and I believe everything is a context. So my life is in a context, right? My life, whether you're single or have family, your life isn't just this endless hope of finding your way to God. As a believer, our lives are in the context of something, Right? I'm sure in this city, I mean, I went out this morning, there's a lot of lost people, and I think it's because they don't understand the context of their lives in a big city like this. It's the same, maybe some of you, and maybe come to a church, and your life is in a context of this local church. 
Alright? I'm, I'm just getting somewhere here, hopefully. So if you have a family, then your life, may I suggest, is in the context of your family too. So I've got obviously a wife and three sons. So my life, the tyrant's life, is in the context of something. It's in the context of a family. But then my family's in the, co- my, my, in the context of a local church. That's how God sees it. So the same for you guys. So if you don't have a family, your life is in the context of a local church. So now it moves from I attend to, actually, what's my reasoning in this local church? And then I believe the local church has a context in the Great Commission. So no church should be focused on themselves. That's where we get in trouble. Me, my, I. We're so in love with ourselves because we hear about how awesome the church is. So actually, we should be in love with Jesus, the one coming back. A bride should be in love with the bridegroom, not herself. Yes. Right? Yes. But we make the church so... You're, and we are beautiful and, and He loves us. But actually, my job, our job as pastors, is to get people ready for Him, not in love with herself. Yes. The danger of preaching the church is we love ourselves. We look in the mirror and say, awesome we are. We are awesome, but there's someone greater who's coming. <laughs> Get ready for him, not for yourself. Yes. So uh, my life is in the context of a family. My family is in the context of a local church. The local church is in the context of the Great Commission. So all eyes on outward, not inward. Great. If you lose that context, you become about us. Then you're inward, no more impact in this city. Mm. But then... The Great Commission, I believe, is in the context of the gospel. It's not just endless going on mission somewhere. It's actually the gospel of the kingdom. Right? And, then my, my, and, and, so, and ultimately, the, the kingdom is in the context of a king. So can I bring it back to saying this? My life, ultimately, your life, is in the context of a king. Very good. Right? My family is in the context of a king. Which means as a father, I raise my sons and my family based on what he wants, not what I want. This local church is in a context, not of the leadership or a team, a king. So you're not serving a man, you're serving God, right? The Great Commission is in the context of a king. The gospel is in the context of a king. And can I just tell you, this gospel is not about Jesus died for us, it's all about me, what I want. Actually, Jesus died for his Father to restore relationship back to his Father. So Jesus didn't come for us, he came for God. But in it, we get all the blessings that happen. But when we preach, Jesus came for you, it's all about you. Actually, there's no context of a king anymore. Subjects exist for the king. The king doesn't exist for the subject. Very good. So my life in the context of a king, my church, my family, the gospel, the Great Commission, and the king is all based in this context of the king. So the question I think we've got to keep asking is, what is my context in this local church? Why am I here? Am I here to make up numbers? I don't think so. Am I here to just kind of attend something so I can get something? Yes and no. If we've understood what I've just said earlier, that God put you here so you can impact others and bring something to this context that wouldn't have if it wasn't for you being here. You guys, this church can't operate. If God put you, if God hasn't put you here, then it doesn't matter. And that's where you've got to settle in. And I think we'll get to that after the, the break. But, but God put you here. Therefore, this church can't function in what God intended it if you're not functioning in what He put you here for. Very good. Not them. All of us, as individuals. Which again, guys, it's very, you can't hide in this church just based on numbers. (laughs) But you can't hide in this church based on call. 
So even if the numbers were 10,000, in my opinion, if you understand this, you can't hijack anyone. You'll never be able to hijack if you understand the plan and purpose of God put us here. And we're going to talk maybe after the break just on context of what we see in Scripture. Because I, I think the thing I'd like to talk about is moving from attenders to active participate. What does the Bible say of what we should do? Because I mean... I've had the privilege of leading a few churches and, and people are mad at me because I have these expectations and I'm mad at them because they don't know my expectations. <laughs> yeah. I say, I'm being honest, pastors, she's, I wish our people would come to this and I wish that, and our people go, gee, I wish our pastors weren't mad at us because we don't know what the heck they want. <laughs> and I realize there's a disconnect mm. from what the expectations and the reality are. And so I did a series, I literally preached six-week series on... The biblical expectation. What is God? So if, if you want to know what we believe, if what we're expecting, this is what the Bible says, so that's what we pursue. Either agree or you don't, but that's what God expects, so we expect it. And people say, I don't want to commit to it. That's fine. Then attend this the church, but you can't really be a participator until you're actually buying into what God's called us to do. Yeah. And if it's in the Bible, it's actually for our good, not for the church's good. Yes. Yeah. And that's so. So I did that. I preached on this. And a man in our meeting, 70 years so he was maybe a little older than you and had been married for, I mean, married, been saved for 70 years. He came to me after the meeting. He said, young man, you know when older people come? I was much younger there than they come with their finger. Oh, here we go. I'm in trouble. But he said, I've been saved for 70 years. See, I've never heard this in my life. Wow. I said, that's my point. There's a disconnect. What does God expect of us and how can we be involved? And what is biblical requirements? And what's cultural? Cultural is irrelevant. What's biblical? Even in a busy culture, we pursue this because that's what God put us in. Yes. And we're just going to tell you the Bible says it and you buy into it however you want. But this is what we expected. The standard from God. Not what does Hugh want, what does Vanessa, what does we want, what does God want. Yes. And if you guys are involved in those things, giving your attention to not legalism, understanding from the Word of God, that's how we will be planted and grow. You'll develop a culture, I believe, that people can come in and catch that culture, not from one guy, from all of you who are already the core group, and it's contagious, and more people will be set free. I think it'll have a great impact in this next season. So, Good. we'll get to the nuts and bolts afterwards and the offensive stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good. Any, any, I know we're going to break. Anything about uh, anything? Mm-hmm. How many of you have been in church before? I mean, how many of you have. Okay, who hasn't? So you've all had some upbringing in the church. Mm. Has it been uh, helpful? The, the the upbringing you've had, or so, mostly? So, so. Uh, no. It shapes us, yes. Shapes you in a good sense, yeah. But you've had bad experience. Who's had a, Who's a, only had good experience? See, I need to come to your church. Yeah, no. <laughs> I am part of your church. That's right. <laughs> okay, great. So again, I'm trying. I'm trying to read.